this morning, I want to speak to you about the greatest message you'll ever hear. And I want to take it from the Christmas story this morning. We're going to go into the book of Luke chapter 2. And let me just read portion of it for you this morning. Just hang back and just listen. And I'm going to start with verse 1 back there. It says this, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and let us see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all those that heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told them. Just about every Old Testament prophecy concerning the Messiah is fulfilled in this one verse that's found in verse 11. It says, for there is born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Just about every Old Testament prophecy is being fulfilled right now. When I first was putting this together as God began to speak to my heart, I, I often read it like to us. For unto us is born in the city of David a Savior. And the Lord said, read that again. 
And I read it again. Of course, this is the way we would quote it. For unto us is born. But I want you to notice something very carefully. For there is born to you. You got to make this very personal because that's what Christmas really is all about. It is him coming for you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is about you today. See, this prophecy was fulfilled way back there in the very beginning of creation when Adam and Eve sinned against God and God comes to them in the cool of the day and God makes a promise. He speaks into the future, hundreds of years yet to come. And he said, the seed of the woman will come and he will crush your head and he, you will bruise his heel. It was an unfolding of what Jesus or what the Father spoke back there. We also find, we could keep going verse after verse, but I'll leave one of the greatest that you and I will know from the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, to establish it, and and with it bring judgment and justice from this time forward and even forever. Now many of us are always looking for God to do something and come and God said, I'm already here. I've already showed up and I'm moving just as much as the day that I come into the earth. I'm moving just as much right now and I'm intending to move forever to bring judgment and justice to all men in the earth and to establish his kingdom. And it says this, the zeal of the Lord's house or the zeal of the Lord will perform this. So let's look at this story just for a few moments. First of all, an angel appears to shepherds watching over their flocks by night. Y'all know that real well, right? We read this, we hear the stories, but why these shepherds? Why is it important that he makes an announcement to these shepherds that are watching over their flocks by night? First of all, these aren't ordinary shepherds. They're priestly shepherds. When it says that they were at the city of David or or in Bethlehem, they were possibly there close to the place where the sacrifices would be offered and would be ordered unto the Lord. See, it was a priestly, it was a priest that had the responsibility of making sure that that offering that would be brought, which was a sacrifice of a lamb, to make sure that that lamb was perfect. That that lamb was spotless. That there was nothing about that lamb broken or smeared. Because when you go back into the Old Testament, the offerings that God said, God, I, God said, I want your very best lambs. I don't want one with a bad ear, with a bad eye. I want the very best you got. See, that ought to be something for all of us as we move into this brand new year. Let me ask you, are you giving God the very best that you have, the very best that you are, or are you just giving him the parts that you don't want to deal with? Most of us need to ask these questions and look at this very carefully. 
The reason he said, remember, he said, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. See, the reason that they would, you would find Jesus at the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes is simply this. That word swaddle means as we would see to pull up close, but to wrap. These were no doubt, as I heard one rabbi this past week say, they were priestly, part of priestly garments for that shepherd. When those sheep were born, when those baby lambs were born, when they would find that when which would was good and that one which was perfect they would take him quickly and they would wrap his little body to keep him protected from any harm that would come to him before he would be presented you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes now why was there not just one shepherd spoke to and why was there many shepherds in the field And he speaks to all of them because the scripture gives us an indication that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every truth be established. See, it wouldn't be enough for him just to show up to me and for me to announce to the world, hey, Jesus is here. But instead, he appeared to all of these shepherds. Now, I want you to notice something when this angel appeared. God didn't send the message through a mere man. He didn't send the message of what he was doing in the earth at this moment to somebody with the, with, with the desire, hey, I want to see this happen, or you, you know what we would think. No, God sent heaven itself into the earth to make this announcement. But it couldn't be held by one angel. I, I love this part, that while this angel was telling these uh, shepherds what was taking place and what was going on, the Bible said that the heaven couldn't contain itself, that all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shone around about them and joining that angel was a host of heaven that began to declare peace on earth, goodwill to all men. Now you got to think about this for a moment. Let me run this in my imagination as I thought that said the heavenly host. I could think about all the angels. I could think about all the angels, but I think about all of them that have already gone before at that time. I'm thinking about Elijah. I'm thinking about Elisha. I'm thinking about David. I'm thinking about the prophet Isaiah. I'm thinking about Moses. I'm thinking about all of these that have gone. And I believe not only with the angels, but I believe all of heaven was shouting, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, for the Savior of the world has come. Think about that for a moment. You and I are beholding what they only foresaw. You and I are manifesting what they talked about thousands of years ago. You and I are, getting, are able to perceive with our hands, with our eyes, with our emotions. You and I are able to grab a hold of all the promises that those before us gave their life for. For even in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it talked about all those that stood in faith, that dared to believe God and believe that another day would come. And the Bible said at the end of chapter 11 of Hebrews that some of these even died in faith. In other words, they didn't get to see the promise. They didn't see the fulfillment. But they dared to believe and they died for what they believed for, knowing that one day Messiah was going to come. So it wasn't just an ordinary announcement. When we're celebrating today, you and I will do this year after year after year. We'll go through the same routine. 
I love the hymns. I love the, the choruses, the Christmas sounds of music that we sing and that are played, even though we put them in different fashions and different styles. They're some of the greatest worship songs ever written. You know why? Because they really tell us the story of Jesus. They really unfold to us. And it's constantly declaring to us what Jesus did to, for us. So the angel said to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Time for fear to exit. Time for fear in every angle to exit. Fear from what is happening in our world. Fear of what's happening in our land. Time for fear to exit out of the way. The angel said, fear not. Well, pastor, he was telling them not to be afraid because he's an angel and showed up to them. I believe it was a bigger, I believe it was a bigger, don't be afraid than just that. Because those people were under the hand, the strong hand of the Roman Empire and government at that time. And, and God had made a promise through Isaiah that he was coming and he was going to establish his kingdom that would be established with peace and goodness and goodwill. And that's what he was after. So for all of us, it's time to get rid of our fear. The fear that things are going to fall apart in our nation. Fear that things are going to fall apart in our world. Because I've got a promise of something greater. And the one that gave me that promise came to deal with it already. So that I could be at peace and be full of joy in the moment. That's our promise. Look at your neighbor and say, get rid of the fear. So he said, for unto you. For there is born to you this day in the city of of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This angel gives him not a name, but gives him three titles. And notice, first of all, he said, For unto you is born in the city of David. Again, here's an unfolding promise that the throne of David would never ever come to an end. The throne of David would be established forever and God himself will sit upon that throne and he will rule the nations. I know, I know we've got our confidence in everybody on this planet, but you better get your eyes up off of this planet and get your eyes upon Jesus for he still sits on the throne. Yes. Hallelujah. So he gives him three titles. I want to give them to you real quick and I'll land this jet and let you go party. The first thing that he said, he said, for unto you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. That's interesting. It's not a name. It's a title. It's a responsibility. It's an assignment. He's a savior. What is a savior? What does it mean? A savior means a deliverer. A rescuer, one who delivers people from dangers and enemies. He came to free us from our greatest enemy. And I want you to know it's not our political system. And I want you to know it's not Hamas. And I want you to know it's not China. And it's not Russia. And it's not the economy. It's not anything that you can name. The greatest enemy that mankind will ever face is sin. How do you know that, Pastor? Do you remember the story? Let's take it back just a couple of days. Maybe a couple of months. 
There's a young lady by the name of Mary who's betrothed or engaged to a young man by the name of, of, of Joseph. And an angel appears to her and said, Hail Mary, don't be afraid, for you have found great favor with God. And you're going to be blessed of the Lord and, and all of these great things. And she, he spoke to her and he said, You've been chosen by God. I'm paraphrasing. Y'all know that. Y'all can go read the story. He said, you've been chosen by God to give birth to his son. Just a 14, possibly a 14-year-old girl. I thought it was interesting at my house the other night. We had Christmas with my kids, my immediate family. If you've seen Facebook, you see what Diane did for all the kids to make these penguins and put their gifts in there and had one for all of them, all the way from JC, our oldest granddaughter. It's 14 all the way down to Sadie, which is just a six weeks old. And I was sitting there watching, and Maverick, of course, being two, he was really into it this year. I mean, he's oohing and on. And Lucy, she was uncontrollable almost. I mean, they were all having fun. But I noticed something with my 14-year-old JC. Her box didn't have Barbies. And her box didn't contain doll clothes. And it didn't, it didn't contain a little kitchen set any longer. Instead, she got something different. She got something to fix her hair, to roll it. And she got makeup and she got stuff like that. Stuff, I guess, to make her look good. Which she look, looks good without it in my eyes. But think about that. You don't have to have any of that to be beautiful, girl. That's true. You ought to feel that way about your kids. But I thought, as a matter of fact, I said something to her after we had got it all done. She's in that awkward place that now she's not getting the toys and she's not getting all of that. And think about that. This 14-year-old girl, possibly by the name of Mary, has been asked to give birth to a son. And she said, see, how shall this be seeing I know no man? And the, and the angel said, the highest is going to overshadow you. He's going to overshadow you and he's going to put a divine seed in you. And in the time of life, you're going to bring forth the son. And his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Didn't think about this till right now. He didn't tell Mary his name was going to be called Jesus, I don't think. For my fact checkers, you can talk to me later. She said his name was going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. Why? It wasn't her place to name the child. So now while she's here, Joseph is off preparing a place. And in a dream, the Lord appears to him and said, Hey, Joe, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the highest and she's going to bring forth the son. And listen to what it says. This is found in chapter 1 of Luke, I believe it is, or Matthew, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth the son. Listen to what he said. And you will call his name, let's say it together, Jesus. I don't know if Joe had already got the information that Mary was possibly pregnant. Can you imagine how this story was playing out? In Mary's life, and how am I going to speak this to him? He's off preparing a place for him. I promise to stay true and faithful, and now I'm pregnant. I don't know how to explain all of this. 
Sometimes you don't know how to explain everything that God does. All that he asks you to do is embrace it by faith. Because that's the miracle, even at Christmas. It's all about believing. It's all about faith. Every one of us, if you've got a gift under the tree, you've got faith. You believe there's going to be something in it, whether it's small or not. Everybody's got a measure of faith to believe. But notice he said, you will call his name Jesus. Look at the rest of it. For he will save his people from their sin. Notice he didn't come and say, I'm going to rescue you from Herod. I'm going to rescue you from Caesar. I'm going to rescue you from this. No. He said, I'm going to save you from your sin. Our greatest enemy is our sin. It's the world's problem. Believe it or not, we don't have racial issues. We don't have lack issues. We don't have war issues. Yeah, pastor, you're crazy. No, I know they're there. But the real issue behind them, if you really want to take a look, it's a sin issue. And we're trying to deal everything from a, from a human perspective instead of dealing it from a spiritual perspective. It's deadly. It's catastrophic. It can seem endless and it destroys everything it touches, believe it or not. And it absolutely affects everything. Do you realize why the earth is groaning? Why hurricanes and volcanoes and earthquakes and stuff that is going on in an unimaginable way is happening. It's an effect of sin. It started from the very beginning with Adam. Did you realize that even the animal kingdom was affected by it? Now I can't even walk up to your door because of your killer chihuahua that you have to muzzle. Hello? Think about that. Do you realize in the beginning when God created all the animals and Adam named them, there wasn't a one going at each other. They weren't devouring one another. They weren't aggressive. They weren't mean. And the Bible says that one day the lamb and the lion will lay down or will sit down together. Why? Because things have been put back in order. See, it absolutely affects everything. Well, how great is sin? I read something recently I thought was really good. I had to find it and I wrote it down. How do you measure? How do you really see how catastrophic sin is? Maybe it's best said like this. I got a couple of firemen over here. So in a moment we light candles. Don't anybody be afraid. They're ready to go to work. Let's look at it from this way. If I ask them, how do you measure the size of a fire? Or how severe a fire is? That could be answered by the number of firefighters and trucks that are seen, that are sent to the scene to put the thing out. That could be a determination of how great that fire is. Think about this from a measure of a sickness or an illness. Maybe it's by the amount of risk that the doctor takes in a test or procedures or even allowing you to take some dangerous drug or antibiotic to find it. We all experienced this in 2020 when the government wanted to ensure that every one of us was vaccinated with something that they were risk, willing to risk the whole population over because of the seriousness of a virus that had hit the earth and now was taking the lives of countless numbers, of countless millions. Then how great is sin by looking what God did 
for us by giving his only son to die for us in such a wicked, cruel way upon a cross as a common criminal so that you and I could be free and have life. That's how great sin is. He came to rescue us. Your rescue has come. He's not coming. He's come. It's not in the future. He's come. Second title he gave. Worship team, begin to make your way back. He's called the Christ. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ isn't his last name. But it's a title which simply means the anointed one. And if you push it deep enough, it goes all the way back to the title Messiah. The one that would come to sit upon the throne of David forever and ever and who would ensure righteousness and justice for all men. The Messiah has come. The Christ, the one I'm waiting for. The one I'm looking for. He's come I know he's going to come again in like manner, but he's really right here in the earth with us right now through the preciousness of the Holy Spirit. He's here. Messiah has come. And lastly, he come as Lord. He's Christ the Lord. Jesus is identified several times throughout the book of Luke in these first couple of chapters in the Christmas story as Lord. And the Lord means ruler, the sovereign, Lord of the universe, the one who rules over all we know. Therefore, this baby, this savior, this redeemer, this rescuer, the Messiah, the anointed one is God himself. And when nothing else would work or do, God himself, think about this for a moment. When nothing else would do, God came from the highest position down to the lowliest of places. Who would have ever thought that a savior, a king, a ruler, a sovereign, a Messiah would find himself in a manger? The lowliest place that he could come. Because he that was rich In a sense, in our words, he that had everything, that owned everything, that created everything, left all of that to come down to my level, into my poverty, into my heartache, into my shame, into my terror, to bring me back up to his level. The scripture tells us in the book of Luke chapter 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. As Jesus reads this, as the prophet Isaiah would speak, Because he has sent me to bring good news to the poor. What was the announcement of the angel? For behold, I bring you great tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You know, you and I were never ever intended to live in the the terror, in the fear, in the heartache, in the worry, and the stress that 99% of us in this room are living in. We weren't made for that. That's why it keeps tearing us apart. You can't stay in battle very long. You weren't made for battle. You can't constantly stay in a fight. You can't do it. You weren't made for it. What were you made for? You were made for the joy of the Lord. 
And where does my joy come from? It comes from knowing that he is watching over me, that he is ruling over me, and he's going to take care of me. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall beat all people. So he said, I come to bring good news to the poor. I come to bring, to bring healing to the brokenhearted, proclaim deliverance to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I know there's needs in this place. I know we got people, good people, struggling with sickness, things in their body that needs to totally be eradicated. But I'm telling you, Jesus came so that they don't have to stay in that. And he's already taken care of it, believe it or not. It's already taken care of. We're waiting on manifestation, but we act like he hasn't come. So how do I receive? When the angel spoke, first thing he said, peace, goodwill. Heaven announced it. I believe he said, if you don't get anything else, get what I'm telling you right now. Every bit of your failure, every bit of your defeat, every bit of your sin has been already taken care of at the cross. Past, present, and future to come. Most of us live in a place that we are trying to get free from what he's already done. But as we go into 2024, if I can grab hope, well, Pastor, but you, I see this weakness, yeah, but you know what I'm going to put that weakness in? Jesus, I thank you that you've already healed me. You've already delivered me. You've already set me free from this thing, and it doesn't have authority over me. Even when I fail. Any of you fail lately? Come on. Man, I was irritated just a little bit before church. I had to pray through. Go to the coffee house waiting on those guys. What's up with you guys? Hurry up. Then I get in this spot. I must not be holy because I got irritated. That's a lie. See, that's what the enemy wants us to believe. My flesh just got irritated. But God, I'm as holy as I was before I ever went in there. Hello. You got to know that God made peace with you. God made peace with you. Whether you've made peace with him or not, he made peace with you. And then he pronounced his goodwill. I was quoting this the other day and it slipped out of my mind like my mouth like this. Peace on earth, God will to all men. Wait a minute. How does heaven say goodwill? What is good compared how does God compare good? I've talked to you about this before. We've had all kinds of food. My wife's been baking. I know all of you have. She's made, what is that stuff you made? Checks, cereal stuff, checks mix, checks something. And my neighbor, we got home from Kentucky last night. My neighbor knocks on my door. She said, I want to give you a little gift. She brought us a little baggie of checks mix. One hot. And one original. Now, I don't know because I don't eat it. I don't know if it's good or not. Now, Diane did take some of it, and I'm sure it was good. But it's only good to compare to the last batch that she got, whoever made it. So if I go into the place, how many times, let me break it down, that way I don't get myself in trouble. 
We go to a restaurant after a while, and we're most of us are creatures of habit, and, and we'll order. And I mean, you know what? This isn't as good as last week. I mean, it's good. Restaurants packed. Barely get in here. But I'll say, you know, this just isn't as good as last week. How did I know it was good? Because I compared it to last week. So when God says goodwill, what's God comparing it to? God only can compare it to himself. So God said, may my God will be upon you. Everything that I am and all that I have and all that I'll ever be, it's all yours. You can have it. So how do I receive it? He said, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This is going to be your sign. Why did God give you a sign? We're all looking for signs. Oh, I need a sign. I just, so that you'll believe. To activate your faith. To give your faith something to work with. To believe what will happen or what he's, what he's doing or what he's done. He said, you'll find him. So here's how faith works. Faith without works is dead. So they went and looked for him. They just went looking for him. You want to activate your faith this year? Just start moving towards God. God, I'm looking for you. I'm coming for you, God. I want everything that you have for me. What are you doing? You're activating your faith. The second thing they did, they believed. They worked hand in hand. Sometimes you can believe, but you're really not in faith. I believe in a lot of things, but I don't think it's for me. It's for pastor, some of you guys, but it's not for me. I believe, but I'm really not in faith. But they came and now they believe. And here's the, here's the last thing they did. They began to confess. Notice this last verse of the scripture I read. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard, which they had seen, and that which was told them. They believed and they went and heralded this message abroad. They went, notice what it said again, things which they heard. All I know is God said he's moving. Some of y'all know what that's about. You do it all the time. We're listening to prophet after prophet after prophet. I come and speak to you. Pastor speaks to you. We're listening to it all the time. I, I, Pat, they said it's going to happen. Things that they have heard, things that they had seen. See, I'm going to tell you, I've seen some things. Many of you have. Seen, I've experienced. You tell me all day that God doesn't heal. I got news for you. You're not going to convince me. Because I've seen him. I've experienced it. I've experienced it. But then there's those things that I've heard. I considered the source of where it came from. Heaven has spoke. And God declared that he's going to do something. So I want you to stand with me this morning. We're getting ready to, the ushers are getting ready. We're going to do our candle lighting part of the service here as we get ready to exit out in just a moment. And they're going to assist you on what the ushers are going to do. They're going to light somebody at the end of each row and we ask you to just start helping light one another. I'm going to lift my light up. It's not a candle. It's right here. Because if you don't understand this, I want to tell you what real light is. 
It's not that bulb. And it's not that flame. You may think that's what it is, but it's not. But this is what it is. Let me give you a definition of light in the scripture. Jesus, the light of the world. It's simply this. It's the ability to know, the ability to perceive, the ability to to accept and live out the life of God. And that's what this is all about right here. To let me know who I am and what I can do.